Welcome to the Isle of Misfits, where we are all about owning our awkward on the way to becoming who God created us to be. And we're about other things too, but that is definitely high on our priority list and really the reason that we're here. My name is Nancy Carmichael, and I am the chief owner of Awkwardness um, and also uh, your humble host, chief misfit and humble host. And you know, I often like to say how excited I am to have this guest or that because, well, we get such great guests around here who have amazing insight. And today is no different because with me now is someone I know you're going to love. He is, as we like to say, the real deal. His name is Gary Ingram. He is the founder of Love and Truth Network, and they are all about helping pastors and leaders develop church environments of authentic vulnerability and equipping the body of Christ to care for one another, to restore relational and sexual wholeness. And by the way, I think it doesn't just apply. I mean, whether you're a pastor or leader, whoever you are, I think this could apply to you as well. So don't turn out if you're not a pastor, leader, or even a churchgoer, because I think you're going to like this conversation. So welcome, Gary. Thanks so much, Nancy. It's great to be with you. Oh, I'm like I said, I'm super excited to have you here. I uh, will give a little backstory as to why you're here. Um, I, I had the privilege of of being a part of a summit that you just gave a couple weeks ago and last fall. It was so uh, insightful. It was so helpful. I, I immediately badgered you to come on my podcast. So thank you. Oh, I was happy for your badgering. <laughs> it was a great thing. Yeah. So let's Let's start there. So, all right. So, uh, I saw you know this conference. Talk a, a little bit. We're going to talk a, just a little bit, a teaser about that, and then we're going to back up and come back to it. So, just tell us a little bit about why. What is this thing that I that I saw and that I experienced and that I got so excited about? Well, yes. Yeah, so, Love and Truth Network was started about ten years ago or so, and uh, it's a you know religious nonprofit, and really we're about equipping pastors, Christian leaders in the church, as you so well said. And and part of that is because I got it off your website. So. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> good. That's even better that you found uh, accurate information on our website. Um, that's you know not always the case it seems. But the summit is one of the things that Melissa, my wife, and I, uh, co-founder as well, um, felt like we needed to be moving more toward where we could gather larger numbers of pastors, Christian leaders, and Christians in general, just wanting to know more about. Uh, the topics that relate to how is the church doing when it comes to sex and sexuality? How how do we develop in our churches, in our families, in our communities, truly safe and transformational environments? Because um, at first glance or or just, you know, off the cuff, we might assume that, well, of course, our church, you know, people are nice and our church is safe. But the truth is what we found over time as ones who love the church uh, what we found over time is that most churches are not safe, do, do not feel like safe environments in terms of really becoming vulnerable and being fully known, not just the good stuff, which is what we all present, but uh, the bad and the ugly as well. Do we have any places within the church that we're actually able, um, not just able, but doing, uh, being known in, in some of those broken places where where do we have a band of brothers? Do we have a band of sisters as Christians who know everything about us and love us anyway? And we know everything about them and we love them anyway. We've got each other's backs. That's something that I think is meant to be, um, is, is much closer to the heart of God in terms of what community is supposed to look like as opposed to what the American church especially um, has uh, uh, shifted 
you know, over time into. So safe, transformational, being yeah. fully known. Okay. Yeah. And that all sounds really good to me. So um, like I said, we're going to, we're going to back up, we're going to hit the pause button and then we're going to come back to this because uh, speaking of fully known, I thought it might be a good idea to get to know you a little bit mm. by way of what we like to call a stupid game. It's time honored tradition here in the aisle, and uh, most people are really good sports about it. And the ones who aren't, you know, they'll they'll come around. But right. uh, no, actually, I think everybody has been a really great sport, um, uh, and you are no exception. So your stupid game, I've handcrafted it in the time honored tradition of our forefathers, uh, uh, based on something that I know about you. Um, we haven't talked about this yet. You actually are originally from the binghamton new york area is is that true is that correct it's true i'm not from the city but i'm from a, a little town and, and kind of country setting uh north of binghamton a suburb if you will of yes so, yes okay yes of that crowning metropolis and mm -hmm. the whole the whole area so all right so what we're going to do today we're going to test your knowledge see how well as a suburbanite of binghamton how well do you know this city we like to call binghamton. oh boy Okay, so I'm going to fail, I'm sure. <laughs> fun facts about being, and often there's no wrong answers on these. Um, and today there actually is, but that's okay. Even if you get it wrong, we still accept you into our tribe here. So, all right, uh, and you'll learn something. That's the beauty, right? We're all we're all here go. to learn. Yes. So, okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a fun fact, and you're just gonna, you're just going to tell me is it true or is it false? Okay. So, all right, and I, I think you're going to do really well in this game. Okay, first. All right, number one, question number one. People didn't settle in the city of Binghamton until 1802, but at that time, it was not called Binghamton. It was actually known as Shenango Point. Is that true or is it false? I, I'm not sure about that one way or the other, but I think it's very likely possibly true, so I'll go with that. Okay, go with that answer because you are correct. See, I told you. You got it. Yes, that is true. And I did not know that either until I, you know, because the interwebs teach us so much. At least we hope. We yeah, hope there's a little different. town right outside of Binghamton called Shenango Bridge, not Shenango Point, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it all began there. Okay. So while we're on that subject, so um now now we're getting into the origins of why it was called Binghamton. So true or false, Binghamton was named after Philadelphia native William Bingham. That sounds like a really true statement, but I'm going to go with false. Are you sure? Are you sure? You can change your mind if you want to. <laughs> uh oh, all right. I'll change You're my mind. You're going to help you. <laughs> actually... Yes, this is why it's called the stupid game, because we get to be helped along the way. <laughs> so that is correct, sir. It is true. Ah. And once again, a fun fact I did not know. It is, yeah, uh, William Bingham. He was uh, he was a delegate for Pennsylvania to the Continental Congress from 1786 to 1788, and he served in the United States Senate. So there you, there you go. go. Yeah, there you go. Okay, question number three: the dreaded time clock. You know the thing you got to punch out and all those impressive yep. yeah factory scenes and movies has its origins in Binghamton. I that believe that's true. And I believe you're correct. That mm -hmm. is true. That is true. So yeah. we can blame them for that. That Yes, the drudgery of the time clock was invented there. So in fact, there is, I'm going to, this was an interesting uh, sidebar to that fun fact. So it was the Bundy Manufacturing Company 
produced it. Um, and the Bundy Manufacturing Company later became another very famous company. This is a bonus called, I'll, I'll give you the first letter. It starts with I. And then there's two more letters. IBM. Yeah. Yes. So the Bundy Manufacturing Company. Time clocks and then IBM. There you hmm. go. Now you know. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. This one. All right. I know. I know you're going to get this one right. So this is, we're switching to multiple choice. All right. Oh. So okay. I'm going to give you three things. So Binghamton is very well known for this famous, famous, is that the right word for this? Think, think amusement parks, think carnivals, think fairs. All right. You already know. So, so I'm going to give you three. All right. You already got it. I was going to give you three and tell you which one was wrong. Ferris wheels, carousels, bumper cars, but you got yeah. it right. Carousel, carousels, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like the carousel capital. I know. Crazy. It is crazy. Yep. Um, but it's true. And I, I think they still have a number of carousels there. And, they do. And I think they're like free, 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 free. Correct. It's sometimes, some of them are. Yeah, yeah, some of them sometimes. are sometimes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, that's a great public service. All right, last question. Again, I'm going to give you three names. These are people who may or may not have a connection to Binghamton, famous people. All right, okay. so you're going to tell me who does not. Okay. Ties, okay? okay. Rod Serling, Paul Reiser from Mad About You, the show in the 90s, or Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. Who does not have ties to Binghamton? Hmm. Who does not? So two of them obviously do, um, or possibly do. Um, who? What was the first one? The first one was Rod Sterling. So I'll, I'll give you a hint. I'm gonna. We can eliminate one. So you want the hint? I'll give you, or I won't. If, if you don't want it, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for you. Okay. Let's see. Um, phone a friend. Phone a friend. Uh, sure. Phone the audience. All right, so I'll eliminate um, Rod Serling. He's like the most famous Binghamtonian. Yeah, okay. You know, of the Twilight Zone, right? Rod Serling. That was okay. his. Okay. Yeah. His and right. uh, what about? So, what was the second one? Paul Reiser from Mad About You. Now, for and, some reason, when you mentioned his name, I was thinking I had heard something um, about a connection there in the past, but I'm not sure that's accurate. So, I will. Um, so I'm guessing it's the the, the one who doesn't. Um, although I thought uh, the Seinfeld one may have had some connection too, but I'm going to go with uh, C as not having a connection. Jason Alexander, and that is correct. You are absolutely right. Yeah. So Paul Reiser <laughs> apparently went to SUNY Binghamton oh, and studied go. music and theater, and the rest was history, as they say. Yep. So all right. So I'm going to give you one more bonus. I said we were done, but. But this is okay. This speaking of SUNY Binghamton and and theater and all that, the arts. So in 2014, there was a movie starring Hugh Grant and Marissa Tomei set at SUNY Binghamton. Can you name that movie? Uh, yeah, it's uh, oh, is it Love Actually? No, it is not. But oh. that movie does have Hugh Grant in it. But yeah, they, yeah, yeah, and it's basically the same plot. You know, wherever, whatever well, movie yeah. he's in is the same plot. I'll give you one more hint. It's I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge Hugh Grant 
fan. So okay. that's about the only movie I can remember. All right. Name. Well, there you go. So the big hand is the name of the movie. Um, it's called The Rewrite. And actually, it was a very cute movie. I only recently became aware of it in the last year. And it is, it is quite cute. He plays a washed up screenwriter. Oh, um, I remember that. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. The only gig he can get is to be a professor of screenwriting. Yeah, soon. that's right. I do recall that. I think I saw that years ago. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. it's actually quite cute. And it is actually set at Sydney Binghamton. So, yeah, that's yeah. a fun. So thing. there you I, go. I thought I thought you were going to ask me about like uh, uh, one of the, the claims of fame that uh, Binghamton has also is during their um, balloon fest, uh, hot air balloon. They have a speedy right. fest. I and, you know what? Uh, I Did you come yeah. across that? So well, there's a yeah. speedy sauce that's unique to that area that we can't find anywhere else. So whenever we travel back home again, we buy a couple of gall gallons so, yes, of it and bring must it back have. home with us. Procure it, yeah. get it through. Yeah, <laughs> get it through security at the airport. But That's yes, right. actually, you know what? I I I did know all about the speedies. And mm -hmm. I yeah, I can't believe it didn't make this quiz. But I just thought, oh, for sure, you're going to know about that. So <laughs> not that my... Not that my purpose was to stump you, of course, but huh. yes, but yeah, the Speedy Fest, Speedies are are probably their number one claim to fame. Yeah, um, Yeah, aside from that dreaded time clock, so and carousels. So congratulations, you did an outstanding job. So something <laughs> something random might be coming your way. I've I've taken to that as uh, just something random from my house as a prize. So don't be surprised if something random shows up. Okay. Innocuous, of course. So it won't. Yeah. So what explosion? Oh, good. Yeah. No. Yes. Nothing. Nothing ticking. No. It won't be a time clock or anything like that. Good. So yes. But thanks for playing. You're a great sport. So so you're no longer in Binghamton. Where? Tell us where you are now. Yeah, my family and I moved from uh, the upstate New York area in 2016 to uh, the Phoenix, Arizona area. So a little bit of a change. A little bit, just yep. so long. Desert yeah. Southwest. Those balmy summers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have those. We just have 120 degree summers. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so people stay inside for a different reason. Like here, it's it's like a flip-flop. People stay inside because right. of the brutal winter, but you're staying inside because of the brutal, brutal summer. Yes. Yeah, brutal heat. yeah, the winters out here are stunning and beautiful and wonderful weather. But yeah, we have great weather for about six, seven months, and then it starts getting toasty. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it is a trade-off. And yeah, right around February, I start asking myself, why do I live? In oh, I know. February is the worst. So. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's something to love about everywhere. So, aside from the ge the geography lessons here, so so tell us a little bit, like what what brought you out that way, and then and then I want to kind of hear a little bit about your story. Sure. So, um, I lived here, uh, you know, twenty five thirty years ago uh, for a couple of uh, years, and uh, really developed some strong friendships. Um, one of my board members is from the has always been from the very beginning of our ministry uh from the uh phoenix area and um also one of the things that, that uh wasn't mentioned there's lots of things that could be mentioned about the binghamton area in general is it's one of the cloudiest areas of the country so that's great when it comes to you know growing vegetation and vegetable gardens and all that kind of stuff but it's um pretty tough you know uh if you're dealing with any kind of seasonal affect uh, disorder and things uh, where where it, you know it's hard not to feel gloomy uh, when you're constantly kind of under uh, heavy cloud cover uh, a good chunk of the time the majority of the time and so one of the reasons we you know looked at moving was partly um, due to a shift in weather um, another thing that had happened uh, 
my parents were elderly and they lived with me. Um, and then my wife and I met and, and got married. We met in 2004, got married in 2007. And then, um, my dad passed away in, uh, in 2010, um, on hospice in our home. And then my mom lived for five years longer and she passed away in 2015. And, uh, it was in, again, in 2016, when we moved, you know, there was, um, uh, we were committed to, to taking care of them and not seeing them go into, you know, a nursing home or care facility or whatever. We really wanted mm-hmm. to care for them, but, but just, um, you know, that part of that, you know, being able to shift and kind of, uh, it, it gave us opportunity to really pray and just to ask God, where do we run a national ministry from? Uh, and, and it seemed like everything was kind of pointing back toward, uh, uh, Arizona. So that's, uh, there's other reasons, but those are some of the reasons we, we moved out here. Okay. So it's interesting that you met, you mentioned the, the cloudiest city. Um, I, and I believe it, but I would say that cloud is probably prevailing in that whole area. So I grew up actually in Elmira, which yes. is, you know, about an hour due west of you. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's always a running joke when family members come, like they don't believe that the sun ever shines. In right. Right. <laughs> and it does. And when it does, it's glorious. Yes. Um, yeah. And Buffalo is not that far behind actually. Um, mm-hmm. and for a few years, my family lived in Pittsburgh also somewhat cloudy. Um, so yeah. So I've begun to believe that the sun just never shines more than three days at a time. So it's nice to know. <laughs> That, that that's not the case so, yeah, yeah i always loved it when there was a drought i mean it was bad for the farmers but right. yeah i felt right. yeah you know right yeah yeah so every everything has its upside right yeah so all right so you're there now you're doing this ministry now so now let's back let's go all the way back let's talk about all right so there's a reason you have this ministry sure. um so let's let's hear a little bit about about your story and and why why you're doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, I won't get into all the details exactly, but um, if anybody wants to hear more about our our you know longer tales of our of our story and testimonies, they can go on our website. But um, suffice to say that even though I grew up in a Christian home, um, I had um, was in church all the time. Um, my my parents certainly were uh, attentive in terms of you know, trying to be careful about how they were parenting us and, and what we were being exposed to and that kind of thing. And of course, back then there was no internet, um, but still I was exposed to hardcore porn at the age of five or six and some older neighborhood boys, sexual behavior. And uh, there were a lot of issues already going on in my life um, at a, a very, very early ages, obviously, uh, where I just didn't feel like I fit in, was very lonely, was often uh, the source of lots of bullying at, at the public school, um, and just generally rejected uh, in in many ways within my um, uh, within the, the the school system I was going to, and somewhat in the neighborhood, and somewhat you know even in my own family, and so uh, I wound up developing um, a pornography addiction when I was really coming into puberty, and and realized pretty early on, um, I was horrified by the realization that I was more drawn toward the images of men than women and began praying about that and asking God to change my heart and, you know, thinking he was going to show up and just poof, you know, you're now, uh, straight or whatever and didn't understand why, uh, he seemed to be ignoring my prayers. Um, I, I must be bad or, um, I mean, any number of things would come to my mind, but I just was really frustrated that, I was dealing with this stuff for, for years and, um, 
you know, the, the pathway that God has for us, I now understand, of course, is uh, that we find healing in the context of community. James 5.16 talks about that. First John 1, 7 talks about this walking in the light with one another as God is in the light. This idea of being known, uh, being vulnerable. And um, so I was just really uh, incredibly frustrated that uh, that I was experiencing these feelings. That, that also transferred into some sexual behavior when I was a teenager uh, with another boy. And then um, eventually I, I got into Bible college. Uh, in trying to manage all this stuff, thinking it was going to all be good once I got to Bible college. Somehow this was going to correct itself. And, and lots of, I now know lots of people go to Bible college uh, pursuing ministry with full-on sex addiction, whether that's pornography, heterosexual pornography, or sleeping around or whatever, and thinking that it's all going to be fixed. Well, it's not just because right. you're Well, I think that's college. why a lot of people go into social work, right? And, yes. And, yeah. Because that's true. they got issues and they think it's going to help fix them. So. Yep. Yep. And and so what that tends to do is it just causes us to further split off from the issues that we're dealing with. We live, we live one way publicly and we live a completely different way privately. And that's, yep. that's um, very um, disintegrating for us. And, and God calls us to integration. He calls us to live one life. He calls us to walk in the light. So anyway, um, that led to me um, uh, getting kicked out of Bible college because they were concerned I was suicidal um, not long after that, I found my first gay bar at the age of 19, felt like I'd finally found my people for the first time in my life. And that was a very powerful um, uh, belief, delusion, euphoric uh, for a period of months, um, even years. And eventually God, uh, through a series of events, God uh, got a hold of my life as I, as I was spiraling out of control and felt like I'd completely ruined my life. And it was, it was there on um, a side of an interstate in New Jersey that I surrendered my life to Christ um, suddenly um, with a tremendous emotion and, and uh, genuine surrender for the first time. And I was uh, in my early twenties, I don't know, 22, 23. And, um, and so that, that began, uh, now I wasn't just a religious kid that grew up in a Christian home, uh, but now I truly was in a, in an instant, a new creation. Now that doesn't mean that everything, falls away but i did experience a very um lengthy period kind of a honeymoon period of wow i mean i i i just uh, all this i'm hungry now for the word of god i want to spend time with jesus i wasn't just trying to do the right things i had a, I had a desire to do those things and to grow closer to god and i got involved uh in a relationship with a woman um earlier than i that i should have um we wound up getting married a year and a half or two later and um uh, thinking you know I'll be, all this is going to be good and um we were only married for several years before she was really dissatisfied in our relationship i mean i had, i felt some of that too uh we had a lot that we needed to unpack um i i had the biggest baggage uh but um she was just pretty much done and unwilling even with some counseling unwilling to keep pursuing reconciliation even though there was no grounds for divorce biblically um and uh and so i was just so brokenhearted that that fell apart and i was angry with god i went back into the world of um, the lgbt world probably a year and a half or two after our divorce and um and that how i'm a christian living in this world um and and doing things that were so degrading and so defiling really to me personally and to others and um an event and just but so addicted so quickly hooked back into this world uh but i but there was a misery in me that i did not experience the first time i knew what i was doing the first time was wrong um and i knew it was breaking my mother's heart i didn't like that and you know all that kind of stuff but it, there was no 
I was now at war. Like there was an internal witness that I'm no longer living as this new creation in Christ. I'm living as something I'm living as my old self. And I, now I have the Holy spirit living inside of me. So anyway, it was, it was a huge battle. Eventually God drew me out of that uh, place and brought me to a church that um, was really dealing with, uh, was just openly dealing in a, in a vulnerable way, in a way that I learned um, a lot from um, on how to walk with people uh, coming through addiction, out of addiction. And, um, and so eventually I moved from the Chicago area back to upstate New York, to my hometown where I swear I'd never go back to because this church was there. And the pastor, I emailed him and just said, here, here's, here's where I'm at, all these anonymous hookups and, and I'm addicted. Uh, that life is a mess. And, and he said, Gary, if you want to move back here, if you believe God's calling you to move back here, we'll walk with you. And so that really, I couldn't get back there fast enough after that. Uh, sold my place in, in the Chicago area, moved back and, and really began this process of discipleship with both feet in the, you know, in the Christian world, as opposed to, you know, a toe or a foot in, right. in both places. And anyway, God restored my life. Um, and, uh, rescued me out of that. I wound up going on staff of that church uh, a couple of years, two or three years later, after sharing my testimony with the whole church. And um, I worked there on pastoral staff for 12 years uh, before starting Love and Truth Network. Okay. So there's so, all right, there's a lot that you said. I'm trying to decide, all right, where do I want to go to? Because um, mm. I'll, I'll go here. Like there's some I, I'm picking up some parallels. Uh, you know, like you said, you're 22. I I can think about when I was 22. I think that was a moment of decision for me, right? Sure. And I had I too had been raised in in the in the church, raised a mother who had faith, but just kind of in and out, uh, different. You know, looking for love in all the wrong places, kind of thing. Yep. Um, but I remember very distinctly. I can't tell you the day, but I can tell you I know I was 22. Mm -hmm. I remember having this conversation with Jesus, um, and it was it was really I was borrowing Peter's conversation with him. It was uh, when you probably know this one, where Jesus turns to all this all of his disciples um, because most people had left him, right? Yep. They just, yep. just given a hard word, mm. and he says, "Are you going to leave me too?" Right. And Peter says, "Where else can we go, Lord? Yeah. <laughs> where else? You alone hold, hold the words of life." Yes. And I found myself literally saying that to Jesus. Yep. yep. So, um, and I'm bringing this up not to make this about me, but as a connection point, because what I'm relating to in your story is that was a moment and your your hunger changed, your desire changed at that point. That was a moment for you. Um, but a lot of times we hear these stories of, I said, the sinner's prayer, and I'm not knocking the sinner's prayer, especially if it comes from a place in the heart, but we tend to think, okay, and then I lived happily ever after, right, and the bird right. sang, and everything fell into place, and no turning back, no turning mm -hmm, back, mm -hmm. and, you know, and and please understand out there in Misfit Land, I'm not knocking the people that, that have walked that way. I think that's beautiful. Yep. I know that was not my story, right? right? And it sounds like that wasn't your story as well. It was the beginning of something, mm -hmm. but there's still peaks and valleys and deep valleys, and, you know, it's the beginning of grace, Right, that's when we begin to understand it. It's not the end of the story. So, sure. yeah. So, I'm not even sure if I have a question out of that, other than like, are do you encounter other people that that can relate to that, or is do you feel like that's just unusual? Well, yeah. So, a couple of things. One is, I I think it's great that you're that you're thinking in such a way that you're. Um, that you're picking up on connections of what I shared to your own story, because the truth is 
um, and we were just talking about this yesterday at an all day summit that we did at a church. The truth is we have more in common with one another than we do have differences. Obviously there are some differences when you're dealing with same sex attraction or somebody's dealing with gender dysphoria or whatever. But the truth is we have so much more in common, uh, than we have, uh, by way of differences. So I, I, first of all, just want to, uh, people need to be quicker to, um, to assimilate or to to allow the spirit to kind of sift where they're at when they hear someone's mm-hmm. story, as opposed to only focusing on that person's story. Um, and what he what does he want to do in the hearing of this story? What does he want to do in my life? Basically, mm-hmm. needs to be part mm-hmm. of our question. So yeah, I do run into people that um, uh, that have that have uh, grown up in the church and you know prayed the prayer. Um, now I, I have a brother who. Um, I've known so many others who heard Billy Graham speak, you know, on the television and they surrendered their life to Jesus and prayed that prayer with Billy Graham and boom. I mean, that, that was a genuine thing. And, and they've, you know, pursued Christ ever since. And, and that, like you said, I think that's an amazing and a beautiful thing for me. Praying the sinner's prayer was more like rubbing the genie's lamp and trying mm. to get my three wishes. It wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, there was no surrender in it for me. There was, um, was I just didn't want to go to hell. Yeah, right? it's a transaction. Yeah. I wanted yeah. I wanted to uh my fire insurance for eternity, but basically I didn't really like God very much. I or, or let me rephrase that. I didn't like who I thought God was. Mm-hmm. And yep. and so but it's all that I knew that I thought God was. And it wasn't until finally coming to a place of, of him meeting me and my misery and my addiction and my mess that I finally began to see he wasn't just a slave master that demands we love him. And of course, that's a, that is a horrible view to have of God. But yet, to be honest, um, and God knew it, so I might as well say it out loud, that uh, that's that over time and over um, uh, with the particular kind of, I had a lot of good uh, truth spoken into my life, a lot of good biblical teaching, but very little of that truth was combined with compassion or grace. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we need both. And so in the lack of the compassion and grace in the lack of people really wanting to come alongside broken people, um, you know, the phrase that says, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin was frankly just an excuse to hate the sinner too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, but that's, uh, yeah. you can tell you, the truth is yes. you don't want to spend two seconds with that person. Right. So stop saying that you love them, but you hate the sin. Right. It's um, the equivalent of bless your heart. You know? Yeah, exa- <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But that sounds nicer yeah. even, you know? Right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, there's, there's definitely people I think that have come into the kingdom in, in, in a bang and, in, and for real through mm-hmm. the sinner's prayer. And then there's others of us who have had to recognize, wait a minute, I, I struck the right words together and I almost sort of said them as an incantation, you know, trying to trying to, you know, work this thing out eternally, but there was no relational connection with God. And for me that came later in in life. And I, I believe it was at that moment that I came into the kingdom. I don't, don't I don't have any sense of the Holy Spirit being within me prior to that. Right, right. And and I think that that is a really important distinction. So it's like, I, I recently heard a, a, a beautiful message about all of what we're talking about right now. And it's, it's the idea of, I think they put it in terms of the, like a, a gap analysis. I'm trying to look at my mm. notes of the difference between what we are positionally and what we are in practice. So there is that moment, right? Second um, Corinthians talks about, you know, we are new creation, right? We are, yeah. we are new creation at that moment of of surrender, not transaction, not genie in the lamp, but Jesus, I, I just give up. Yes. And, and something beautiful does happen. And our desires change. Our core, the core yes. of who we are changes yeah. in that moment. 
and yet um, it's the state of being that is already right because we are positioned we're seated with Christ all the you know all the yep. theological truths um, fully redeemed but we're not all that we're going to be and and that's you know if you're you know of a certain denomination you call that sanctification but you know I think it's just uh, I don't I don't want to even get down on the words but the but the gist of it is, is like okay yes something new happened and yet even at that moment you and me and and those even those that went to the billy graham crusade we haven't arrived yet right and it's, right. it's walking this out it's living in that union and it's understanding and for some of us i think it it takes a minute or a decade or a couple of decades right. to really right. walk into a full realization of that mm -hmm. yep i agree and i think you know when paul talks about the idea of us becoming new creations or that we are a new creation that used to really frustrate me because i again I, i'm like i don't understand i mean how can i how can i what am i doing how can i still be struggling with these things if i'm a new creation somehow something hasn't worked something's not uh, uh real or true in my life and of course um it's it's the reality <clears throat> as i look back now and i see more clearly what he's talking about there is the reality that we have we have we have become new creations in Christ, but we're also told in another passage to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right. uh, that there is a working out of that, you know, and, but I think the, the door that we must come through first, obviously it's the door of Christ, but it's also, it's that door of surrender. It's not just, um, I'm going to, I'm going to perform this transaction with you and get my get out of jail free card. And, you know, I'm going to go off and live my life any way I want to. Um, I don't think that that's biblical uh, salvation. I think that's a false gospel that um, is oftentimes goes by the same language and even uses a lot of the language of quote unquote grace uh, to masquerade over really licentiousness and this idea that, you know, we've separated lordship from Jesus. We've separated the need for repentance. We've separated the need for surrender. Um, but all of those are a part. They're, they're, um, uh, they're a part, I think, of our salvation experience, but they're also a part of our ongoing uh, process of sanctification or discipleship. And, um, and, and of course, that, that's a bumpy road. You know, I was in a season of great rebellion um, after, a Christ, after being a Christian, really giving my life to Christ and having the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit live within me. I was in, a, in some ways, a bigger season of, of rebellion than even prior to that for, for okay. a period of time. But the witness of what the, the fact that the Lord was in me is that I was miserable in my sin. Wait, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the yeah. part even more misery because now you know, right? Yes. Because now you're now you're betraying who you really are. Right. And before right. it was right. like, okay, I know I'm missing something, but now, yeah. And you know, right. all right. So I gotta say this too. So you said something a few minutes ago that, you know, we have more in common than we don't. And um, so in some ways I feel like um Oh, you know, if someone's listening to this, you're gonna be like, well, you're not even talking about LGBTQ issues. You're not even talking about this or mm -hmm. that. And you know what? And I'm I'm gonna say in a sense, I think it's intentional because I'm not saying that that's not a thing. Obviously, that's a big thing in our culture, but what you said is so key. I think what happens when when we look at, you know, oh well, there's the there's the race issue, there's the LGBTQ issue, there's yeah. the gender issue. And and we get so compartmentalized in our thinking, we we don't step back to say, you know what, there's some universal themes in all of this. So you've got a story that maybe touches on these issues, and I've got a story that touches on other cultural issues. Right. 
but it's the same thing going on underneath all of it, right? Mm -hmm. and yeah, we, yeah, we often say, uh, have heard and, and repeat now, um, same root, different fruit, meaning yeah. that regardless of whether it's um, a guy who's womanizing and, you know, putting a notch in his belt for however many women he can sleep with or a woman doing the same or right. um, or dealing with uh, gender dysphoria or same-sex attraction or overeating or any of that so much of it and i'm not minimizing yes there are there are some some ways of like working these things out that may be different but um but the reality that so much uh so much varied brokenness flows out of very similar places uh that often begin in our childhood of rejection abuse abandonment neglect right. like chronic neglect those kinds of things and how we relate to those experiences and how we relate to those around us how we relate to god and ourselves um so it's a lot of the same root or very much goes back to similar same root issues that work themselves out sometimes in very different ways right right and and that's that's just it it's, and it's not to say well the you know this issue isn't i mean you have a really important story to tell that i know is helpful that has been helpful to many thousands of people that are dealing with sexual identity issues uh lgbtq whatever you know all those issues yeah. um but if we're listening closely i i don't think we have to say well i don't deal with that so i'm good it's like no right you've yeah you've your story and your message and and these summits that i've attended really are speaking to a to a bigger yeah. to the to the big issue under what the umbrella of which all these things fall and i think it's so important that we that we catch on to that because you know there's there's more for all of us and whatever it is that's besetting us um there's there's good news <laughs> there's yeah good news. absolutely yeah yeah absolutely yeah, well, and I know one of the things, Nancy, that, that you had talked about when we were together at your church and and we were just chatting about before starting the podcast, too, is um, a couple of things that I, I talk, I, I, I try to hit every time I'm preaching or teaching, uh, is the reality that we need to, in the church, both have an eye toward prevention and an eye toward uh, recovery. And um, meaning that we, we want children, you know, who are growing up in the church to not uh, to be shepherded in such a way for their hearts to be shepherded in such a way that um, that they're relationally full that they're emotionally full that doesn't mean that yes they still struggle with sin yes they can get hooked into all kinds of things but when we are starving proverbs talks about this proverbs 27 i think it's 17 uh says that to a sated man a full man honey is detestable but to a famished man any bitter thing is sweet and so, whether and that's true, man, woman, whatever, boy, girl. When we are emotionally starving, hungry, we tend to grasp for anything that would mm. fill that, even things that are defiling, things that are shameful, um, things that we don't, you know, things we may be curious about but we know are wrong. And um, and so, prevention is a critical piece. Also, having good, solid recovery in our churches is is critical. I'd love to see churches be more collaborative about these pieces. Um, and offer you know um, uh, programs to various churches in their in their uh, communities a little bit more freely than sometimes they do. I think others are better at that than others. I think Eastern Hills is good at that. But the um, uh, but the idea, uh, two things that are so critical, I think, for both prevention and for recovery, is the reality that we were made um, and have an intrinsic, deep, deep desire both for 
belonging, mm-hmm. um, uh, that that love, that um, being fully known and being fully loved. Not that our sin is love. Not that the you know the the all all of that kind of stuff that is you know dark or whatever. Not that that's loved, but that we're loved in spite of that. I mean, that's how God treats us. That we're loved in spite of that. Well, we're still enemies. Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. So we need that. We, the church is really our second chance at family. Um, mm-hmm. When when uh, for so many of us, family has not necessarily been a great or safe place. Uh, doesn't mean that it's all bad. Um, for some, it has been, but, but for the majority, that's not the case. But yet, church gets to be a place that it's supposed to be a community where we can work out um, as as a body of Christ, as a family of God, where we can work out a lot of these unresolved issues or things that were sewn into us in our childhood that are so belief systems, labels, things that are so damaging, um, neglect, as I said, divorce, maybe whatever, and um, so. That sense of belonging is critical, but of but of equal importance also is a sense of purpose. So we need belonging, which is connected to love, which is connected to um, being delighted in, being um, cherished, whatever, uh, highly valued. But purpose is a part of what propels us out of um, lingering. I remember C.S. Lewis writing something to the effect that um, we are so we are too easily. Um, uh, how does he say this? We're, we're um, we we have too little passion, not too great of a passion. Yes. And he talks about the idea that um, we're like little street urchins who would rather um, make yeah. mud pies in a slum right. than than go to the ocean for a, a holiday because right. we have no concept of what that yep. looks like. So right. God is constantly inviting us into this greater vision, this greater purpose, into this. Uh, an invitation to come to the the ocean, to the sea for a holiday, uh, and, and for a holiday that, that let rest, less the rest of our lives. Um, and instead, we want to stay in 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 our sin and our slums because we have no sense of purpose, uh, real purpose. Mm-hmm. And and so it's just making it, it. I'm just trying to kill the pain or fill up the numbness or the emptiness today and in this moment. And in doing that, we're really killing that sense of purpose. And often, along with that. We're removing ourselves from any real sense of belonging. And those are two critical things that we need as human beings made in the image of God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, just to, to I don't know that I can add much, but to maybe expand on, um, which is another word for add, but but That's just right, a yeah. thought that goes with that is, um, you know, with, with belonging and purpose, they're dovetail. It's like love and yeah. truth, right? Grace and truth that you don't, it's not either or, it's both, right? Mm-hmm. We need both because without without purpose, so what are we safe for? So we're we're delivered for, you know, to to belong, to, you know, to be healed. And and all of that is wonderful. We need healing. We need, we need restoration. We need transformation. But for what? Exactly. Right? Because, because if I spend it all on myself, yes. that in it that in itself has a pathology to it. God has more for me because we are wired for a purpose on yes. purpose and we're part of a larger story. And and that's the beautiful part is that I need what you have and maybe you or somebody needs what I have. We need each other. Yes. That's, that's the body of Christ, right? That's uh, what is it? Yeah. Corinthians 12, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we, we need each other and we only live in the fullness of that when when each of us is swept up into a story that's not just about me, but gets, yes. but I get to be a part of it. Yep. And and I think also just to add to that, um, the 
the idea of purpose, of course, is connected with eternal purpose. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, an atheist or anybody can um, can uh, can discover, you know, can find purpose in some fashion. I mean, um, it may be about making money. It may be, uh, you know, other things that uh, are about spending them on ourselves, which, of course, you're, you're talking to right there. But it, it is a purpose that is connected to others, as you're saying. But it's also a purpose that's connected to eternal um, uh, matters and eternal right. things so that it helps it helps us lift our eyes out of our current struggle um and and our current addictive uh behaviors whatever those might be right. and and sets our eyes on something that is so much bigger but achievable right. um so right. very important right and i think it really takes the pressure off like a, and and in one respect you you could look at it and say oh it's not about me but i want it to be about me because mm. that's you know that's that's my best life but really, um, it's not just about being shallow or, or being, oh, you jerky, selfish person. It's the truth is it takes a lot of pressure off of us when our lives are no longer about us. Oh, That's yes. a lot to maintain, right? That's yep, a lot absolutely. to keep up with. So um, true. Yeah. And, and it's, there's a freedom there that, wow, you mean somebody, I matter enough that, that, that eternity wants me to be a part of that story. So I think yeah. that's incredibly good news. So very much so. Gary, I can't believe our time has flown by so quickly. There's so much more to talk about, but I, a promise is a promise. So um, thank you so much for sharing just this little snippet. I hope it whets people's appetites. I hope, in fact, I'm sure it's going to make people want to um, check check out more of what you're all about um, at love, love and Truth Network, right? Dot com? Dot, dot com, yes, loveandtruthnetwork.com. It's the A-N-D is spelled out there. Um, yep, loveandtruthnetwork.com is our website. Okay, and I hear you. Are you working on another book? I thought I heard you. Well, I'm working on a book, my first a book. book. I've had. Oh, I have, your first uh, well, book. Well, okay. yes, and I have so, a couple of other ones in the works um, as well, based on our summit. Uh, but I'm trying. Uh, what I'm working on right now, it's about three quarters done. Um, working on getting my story uh, finally, you know, out in a and in the marketplace, and then we'll be working on a couple of these other uh, book ideas too. Okay, so maybe when that book is out, I will. Uh, I'll bug you again, and and well, and also Nancy, we we started our own podcast, um, and we have about eight episodes out now, releasing a new episode every week, and so that's something we're super excited about. Oh, wonderful! Okay, so and what's the name of that podcast? It's simply uh, our ministry name, Love and Truth Network. So it's on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, uh, and then on our website. If you just type in our website address and do a uh, backslash podcast. We're doing both video and audio, uh, releasing those, you know, where, where it's just an audio platform, we're putting it out there, but where there's video as well, we're, we're including both. Nice. Okay. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to subscribe. And I think you out there in Misfitland should too. Um, thank you so much, Gary. And I, I look forward to hopefully talking to you again sometime. Absolutely. Soon. Thanks so much, Nancy. Check out Love and Truth Network Podcast. And while you're at it, you might as well go straight to loveandtruthnetwork.com. That's his website, and you will find it there. Hey, thanks for listening. And you can find more podcasts, blog posts, and all kinds of cool stuff on our website, isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com. So check that out. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, 
Would you give us a good review on whatever platform you happen to be listening to? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. It really helps because we want to spread the word to all the misfits in the land to own your awkward, to love your fellow misfit, and to seek beauty and truth everywhere 